0: So we're going to do something a little different today. If you, have, if you haven't been here, for the past few weeks, we've been just kind of flirting with the presence of God, all right? We haven't done anything too crazy, but we've just been being like, hey, look, I think there's more on the table for this church family. I think this church family can grow in their expectance of the presence of God in this place. Here's the truth. The Spirit does not abide by our rules, We put him in boxes, we give the Holy Spirit rules, but he has none, okay? He can do whatever he wants. And I think there's room for us to grow in that, going, Lord, if there's anything you want that's out of the ordinary or out of my algorithm that that you want to speak, I want to listen. I want to obey. And so we're trying to think of just ways to, to invite our family, to listen for the Lord, to actively seek his presence. And today, we're going to do that through a practice that some of you will be familiar with, but it's called Lectio Divina. Uh, And I'm gonna give you a brief explanation and then we're gonna do it together, okay? So it's an ancient spiritual practice from a Christian monastic tradition. And it literally means just reading and holy, divine. Lectio Divina, reading, holy, divine. It's a practice of letting scripture speak to you. And you're like, that's what it's supposed to do anyway. But it's a practice of going, no, seriously, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and receive whatever the word is saying and also whatever the spirit of God might be communicating through his word. Okay? So it's just, Holy Spirit, you go. In James 1, he tells us to receive the word with meekness. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Receive the word of God like a sponge, soft, absorbent. In other words, when the word's being spoken, you don't have to like wrestle it or or, or figure out what it's trying to say. That a lot of times, if we'll just open up our hands and go, Lord, I'm listening, a lot of times he does a lot of the heavy lifting. Not every time, but a lot of times he will. And Lectio Divina is us putting ourselves in the position to go, what's your word trying to say to me? And there's not a lot of like rules around it. He might reveal something about his character, about himself, about you, about the word. And I don't even want to keep giving examples because it goes against the point of Lectio Divina. It's very open ended. It trusts that the Spirit of God doesn't just want to speak to me or to Alex, but to you, to everybody. Okay? So that's kind of what Lectio Divina is. We kind of hand the mic to the Holy Spirit and go, what do you have to say? So, how it will look practically is I'm going to read a passage and then we're going to sit. And this is the most daunting part. We're going to sit quietly together for two straight minutes you won't believe how long 120 seconds is. Then I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to have the audacity to make you sit for 90 more seconds. And then I'm going to get really greedy and read it one more time, and then let you sit for 60 more seconds. Three and a half. I think that's four and a half total minutes of you just sitting there after I get done reading. And so the point is to give yourself a chance to sit still, to take deep breaths, to let the chaos of your mind silence and then let the word talk to you. And I'm gonna tell you something. For some reason, some of you will feel threatened by this. I have no idea why. This is like the most peaceful, chill thing ever. But there's something about going, I'm gonna be quiet and hope that God talks to me that feels threatening. Whether it's threatening my worldview or my fears or my skepticism, it's threatening. I don't know why. What I would encourage is take it easy. Don't feel the pressure to hear something. And if something comes, great. And if it feels like it's just from your brain and not from the glory of heaven, that's great. Just think about what you're thinking about. But pay attention as I read, because there might be something that grabs your attention. And and feel free, if something does grab your attention, to to hold on to it, to obsess over it. That's probably a little excessive. To meditate on it. That's a nice way of saying it. (laughs) Don't obsess, meditate. (laughs) But if a phrase or a revelation or, or an idea like really grabs you about the character of God or about yourself or about a story that you never thought about that before, don't feel pressure to keep going with me. You get lost. Go there. Ask the Lord, why is that sticking out to me? What are you teaching me about yourself? What are you telling me about me? What are you speaking into my life? And just let him lead you. And if this feels weird the whole time and it never goes anywhere, cool. We'll get out of here. We'll get lunch. It'll be great. No pressure. Okay? Now, if you guys know me, I'm really good at prefacing for like 16 minutes. You guys ready for some more prefacing? Here it comes. Um, I'm going to give you a little background before we read, because we're going to read a story about Peter and Jesus. And before we do, I want you to remember or learn right now who they are and and what their background is. So Peter follows Jesus, and a lot of us here would say we follow Jesus, but I'll admit it's a little different for Peter. Peter followed the physical Jesus while he was here on earth and he left everything to do so. So for three years, Peter literally left everything and followed a nomadic, ever-traveling Jesus Christ over all of Israel. Peter was so bold, so brave, so full of like vigor, confidence, and fight. He was like Jesus's right-hand man, whether he was handing out bread and fish, whether he was preaching himself, whether he was guarding against people that wanted to stone or kill Jesus, like Jesus, hey, we really gotta go. Like Peter was that guy. And Jesus wasn't just Peter's Messiah because Jesus asked him, Peter, who do you say I am? He goes, I, I think you're the Christ. I think you're Jesus. I think you're the Messiah. Like, but more than that, I think we, we missed some, some parts of this. Peter and Jesus were best friends. Jesus was everything to Peter. He was his hero, his brother, his spiritual father, everything. And in Peter's mind, like, there's nothing that you could do to me to make me let go of Jesus. He was so convinced of Jesus's goodness, that he was savior, but like that he was worth following to the death. And no one was more convinced that Jesus, that he was going to live to the death for Christ than Peter. Like, you remember when Jesus walked on the water? Who was the one guy that joined him on the water? And eventually he sank. It's all good. Peter, right? Everyone else is like, "Oh no, man! The physics of this are really throwing me off." <laughs> is that physics? Is that what that would be? I don't know. What are physics? Thanks, Jalen. <laughs> no one answers. I don't know the answer. Someone told me. Someone had to define for me what the difference between economics and finances are. I have no. I don't know stuff anyway. <laughs> um, that was like eight minutes ago. Anyway, uh, all right. An interesting moment happens. Jesus is meeting with his disciples right before he's arrested. And he's kind of letting them know, it's about to go down. It's going on. It's going down. I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to die. But he gives us a twist that none of us expect, honestly, if we're open-minded enough. He says, all of my disciples, he's looking at all 12 of them. So picture just 12 people around a dinner table. All of you are going to leave me. Now, out of all the disciples, who do you think was PO'd the most? Who was the most disappointed in Jesus saying that? Who was the first guy to talk? Peter went, hold on, I got this, guys. Listen, okay? And he's like, Jesus. And then he throws the other 11 under the boat immediately. He goes, even if all these cowards leave, he doesn't even include them. He's not like, none of us are going anywhere. He's like, even if all these suckers flee you out of fear because they don't want to see their Savior down, they're scared for their own life. I will never flee. Jesus, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know who told you this. Jesus being omniscient. But I'm not going anywhere. And Jesus goes, Peter, before the sun rises, before the rooster crows, three different times, you're going to feel the heat. People are going to come to you and be like, you're with him. And you're going to say, no, no, I am not. And Peter can't believe it. It's like, that will never happen. Peter, uh, Peter Jesus gets arrested a day later. What does Peter do? Pulls out a sword. So far, proven himself right. Fights for Jesus. Cuts off a dude's ear. I don't know if that was precision or accident. Either way, that dude got lucky, <laughs> right? Just an ear. I mean, kind of unlucky too, though. That would, that would hurt. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus has put away the sword. Jesus is arrested, taken away. Peter watches Jesus. It actually starts happening. And he sees that Jesus is being delivered into the hands of the Roman Empire, the big bad Romans, and immediately what happens to Peter? He's consumed with fear. People walk up to him, wait, you're like his right-hand man. You're equally as dangerous as Jesus, the same Jesus that's preaching all these lies and deceit, that's tearing away at the religion of Judaism. Like, you're you're his best friend. Like, maybe you should be accounted for. And Peter goes, I literally, what's his name? Jeffrey? What? That name? It was very common back in the day, but still. I've never heard of him. Who is he? Three different times. And then what happens? The rooster crows. And Peter, in all his boldness, all his vigor, all his confidence, it just collapses. And Scripture says he weeps bitterly. That ugly cry, that snot coming out while you're crying, cry. Where You know, one sleeve, and then you need the next sleeve, and you just, man, I need, I need more sleeves. He's just weeping. He can't believe it. And Jesus dies on a cross. And Peter's last memory of Jesus being alive is him praying in the garden. Peter falling asleep against Jesus' instruction and then cutting off a scribe's ear and then denying Jesus three times, and Jesus is dead. It's over. And then we know the story. He resurrects three days later. And the passage we're going to read is a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, but then specifically with Peter. It's a follow-up conversation. And that's where I'm going to invite us into Lectio Divina. I'm going to read a passage. I'm going to sit still. And you just absorb it. And know in the background, you know. And I encourage you to do something that we don't encourage adults to do often enough. Use your imagination. Hear it. See it. What does it sound like? What's the scenery? And it don't have to be accurate, but you just see it for yourself and picture this conversation and be open to what God might want to point out to you. So here we go. You guys are ready to embark on a journey together of just sitting still? So whatever it looks like for you to sit up, to be comfortable, to take a deep breath, you need to breathe deep before we start. You ever done a breathing exercise on the app? And it's like, oh, breathe in for three seconds and let go for three seconds? Okay. Second and a half in, you're like, all right, my lungs need a little workout, (laughs) a little tight. So let's loosen up a little bit. So before we start, why don't you take some deep breaths for me, all right? I'm already out. Let's see if I can get a three-second one. All right, I want to invite you to close your eyes. A couple more deep breaths. And as distractions come, as you hear noises, as you hear kids, I want you to see distractions as like clouds in the sky, just drifting. Let the distractions come and go. Don't try to control them. Don't be disappointed in them. It's okay. Just come back. This is John. John. 21, I'm going to read verses 1 through 19. Can we do the prayer at 9? Can you do an instrumental from that playlist? All right, this is John 21, 1 through 19. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. This was the third time that they'd seen him. By the sea of Tiberias... And he revealed himself in this way: Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of uh, Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples, were all together. And Simon Peter said to them, "I'm going fishing." And they said to him, "We'll go with you." They went out, got into a boat, but that night, they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And so they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, it's John, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, He took off his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Simon Peter Went aboard, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net didn't break. And Jesus said, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus had revealed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished eating breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my lambs. And then Jesus said to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord you know I love you. And Jesus said, then tend to my sheep. And then Jesus asked for a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, We'll go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples, they didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side. You'll find some. And so they cast it. Now they weren't able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that, that it was the Lord he, he, put off, uh, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Then the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. And so Simon Peter He went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net wasn't torn. And Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and he took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. And then Jesus said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. So Jesus said, Tend my sheep. Then Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And and Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And then Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old... You'll stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. And this, Jesus said, to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said, follow me. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of the disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out, got into the boat. But that night, they caught absolutely nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus said, stood on the shore, and yet the disciples, they didn't know who it was. And when Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And so they cast it, and then they weren't able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he he put on his outer garment because he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for they weren't far from land, but about a hundred yards. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Simon Peter went abroad and, aboard, not abroad. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because now they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished breakfast, Jesus turned to Simon Peter and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said, yes, Lord. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus said to a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, tend to my sheep. Then Jesus said for a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he'd said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself, you'd walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to Peter, follow me. All right, there's uh, one more difficult thing I'm going to ask you to do as we continue to grow in vulnerability as a family, not only as individuals, but uh, as a collective. So if, you're, if you've been here, you already know what's about to happen, but if you're new here, Godspeed. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to circle up in groups of three to five And we're gonna take like 10 to 15 minutes just to share what you noticed. Now, listen, before we circle up, a couple things. Nothing's mandatory. One, you don't have to circle up at all. And then, two, if you circle up, you do not have to talk. And then, three, if you talk, it does not have to be something crazy spiritual. You can literally share, I did not know that detail about this story, or I have not heard this story before, it's interesting. But some of you, I believe, probably just got a pretty cool revelation from the Lord. You probably just noticed something really important about Jesus or about Peter or about yourself or about the Bible, or, and it's worth sharing. And we get better in community. There's ways that you hear from the Lord that I do not hear from the Lord. There's ways that you just heard this story that I did not hear it. So don't underestimate the unique things you notice if you're tempted to think they're shallow or stupid or not worth anybody's time. like That's not real, that's false. Anything you've seen, anything you've felt or discovered, in the last 10 minutes, I promise you, I promise you it's worth saying out loud. And when you're, when you're listening to someone share, a great response is just, thanks for sharing if you don't know what to say. Like, thanks, that was good. Um, if any part of you feels like you need to disagree with what they learned, probably just mute that. You know what I'm saying? Let's not do that. Let's not be like, actually, I know what happened here. You're wrong, <laughs> you know? <laughs> let's not be that. Uh, so let's just... Uh, Let's try this thing out. And if there's people that you haven't met in your circle, take 30 seconds to go, my name is, great to see you. And then let's just get into the word and then you can get to know each other after that. So here we go. Let's circle up. Don't do more than five people, y'all. Every time y'all break the rules and it's fine, but we want to give people time to talk. So circle up your chairs, five or less, five or less. You can do it. I believe in you. Be bold, have courage. What'd you notice? I'm going to pass communion out to each group. Let's talk about the Word of God. Let's talk about what the Lord was doing. All right, guys, I'm going to invite you to, to come back. I know I'm interrupting some really good stuff. But, uh, hey, what if you got lunch after and kept going? All right, let's get back in, a, you know. Well, just turn the chairs around so you can see me. Hey, before we transition to worship, I actually want to do a little group response thing. So, Tom, hold off on the, on the emotional, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but, no, keep playing. I'm kidding. Um, hey, let's take, like, two minutes but I'd love to hear, like share something that was shared in your group. Maybe even share something that you heard that you were like, oh, that's cool. But just real quick, I'd love to hear some of the, some of the things you noticed. What did you notice about this story? What was sticking out to you? What was that? Elaborate. <laughs> Provision. That's a great word for this story. I had never noticed that until today. I literally was like, oh, he already had other fish. Sneaky. Very like Jesus, too. He'd be like, oh, look what all you caught. All right, I already got breakfast made, you know? You really helped, thank you. It's Awesome, what else? Awesome. What else? Was he? Yeah. Mm. Jesus had his back so hard by giving him three chances to say yes to him. <sighs> Tears. Let's keep going. I'm really loving this. Yeah. wait, say that last part again. I didn't hear the last part. Full circle moment. <sighs> yeah. Cause when he met, when he met Simon Peter, he was like, no, oh, cast your net. Simon's like, we've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. He's like, do it. He does it. And he catches this overload of fish. So there really is a really, man, that's, that's sneaky by Jesus to put a bow on it like that. That's clean, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that I went back and read that Jesus denied him three times. And then I noticed that in the stories, this is the third time he appeared to them after resurrection. And then Simon, or they caught 153 fish. I know, what is that? I was like three. I just can't hear you Yeah. I just leave, get in my car, I'm out. Yeah, the number three really is there. I think it's worth noticing. And He was dead for three days and Resurrects. That Three is everywhere, yeah. One or two more, then we'll wrap up. Come on, baby. I like the imagery of there were so many fish in the net but it wasn't torn. Just like we can bring so much to God. All right, he said... Uh, Gosh. He said that he loves that there were so many fish in the net, but the net didn't rip, but that the writer included that detail. And then he said that, you know, we bring so much to God and he can hold it all. And it's like, I never would have heard it from that side. What the, that was so good. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to read what I wrote down, what I typed out here by my lonesome. Um, let me see. Here's some things I noticed. I definitely noticed the deja vu, the miracle of the fish multiplying, the fish and the bread. That's what Jesus has for him. Remember when he feeds the 4,000 and the 5,000? Like, that's such a familiar meal. Um, And they helped him do those miracles. So whenever he miraculously has more fish and bread for them, like, that would have been a fun little, like, he really has a knack for this. Uh, Peter jumping in the water again. That's his second time being like, Jesus, if you're over there, like, and then the writer includes the detail that they're only 100 yards from shore. So what he's saying is what Peter did is ridiculous. They were so close to land. It was not It was gonna be quicker to just stay in the boat. But he was like, who is that? And he just, I love, it's like old Peter's coming back. The Peter that's not thinking straight, but he just sees Jesus and he's hopping like he's in. I love, oh, it's so sweet. Um, him providing breakfast, crazy. He's so abundant. Um, I also, man, the very end, we read him promising Peter that he's gonna die an uncomfortable death through our lens and not Peter's lens. This is the first time I felt this. That was the strongest vote of confidence from Jesus. Do you know that Peter desperately wanted to be the man that would not deny his faith? He desperately, (laughs) (laughs) that's why he told Jesus, you're wrong. I'll never deny you. He told God he was wrong. (laughs) That's (laughs) gutsy stuff. (laughs) That is, yeah. He really believed. And Jesus ends the whole thing by going, hey, That thing you always wanted to believe about yourself, it's gonna happen. It's true. I see your belief in me. I don't see your denial. I see your belief. I'm gonna build you. And one day, you will again be threatened by death and you won't flinch. Do you love me? It'll be because you love me. I just thought that was Jesus tied so many little bows and then one big bow over all the little ones in Peter's story. Anyway, this exercise does not require a pastor or a church gathering on Sunday. Lectio Divina over any scripture, but any story that feels powerful or any scripture that you enjoy in a psalm or a proverb or whatever, there's so much richness if you'll sit with your friends and just meditate on scripture for an hour. There's so much more to be had here. So I encourage you, take Lectio Divina, use it in your personal life. All you got to do is read it and pause and if you can read and then stop reading and then start reading again, you can do Lectio Divina. And so I encourage you to take this with you. Um, for now, let's stand. Um, if you haven't taken communion, net, communion yet, I said net, <laughs> the fishing story's on my mind. Um, go ahead and pull communion out. I'll lead us through this. So uh, there's two kind of layers. You can rip the top layer to get to the, uh, the bread, as we'll call it. The second layer, you can fold this little lid down, kind of that little tab, Uh try to break it, yep, and then lift it back up and you can rip that open to get the little juice. As you take the bread, remember, this is the body of Christ. It's evidence that God took on flesh. God is not like living in outer space somewhere, unaware of what it's like to be human. The bread reminds us that God became flesh in Jesus, that he knows what it is to be human. He knows what it is to struggle, to be tempted to be around brokenness, all right? So when you take the bread, remember Jesus understands you. Let's take the bread. As you take the cup, this represents the blood of Christ. He doesn't just empathize with your experience, but he died for you. He shed his blood. Salvation is free, but it was paid for, right? Jesus paid for your salvation with his life, a perfect sacrifice to a perfect God in order to make a way but he didn't just stay dead he resurrected and through his resurrection we have salvation from sin all right most importantly and then secondly from death so let's take the cup and remember the sacrifice Jesus made for us and now let's worship the Lord y'all ready let's sing to him come on now let's worship him